hey, bestie. So I know we've got to get some stuff ready for the winter, right? You know, racing season is pretty much over for the most part, for most people. Um, and we, we've got to go through all the stuff that we have. And sometimes that even means getting rid of the car that we had or getting rid of certain parts or whatever the case may be. So what do you do with all of those parts and the car that you don't want anymore? You know, do you just leave it in your garage or do you just leave it outside in your backyard where a certain someone is leaving a car? Um, So, yeah, obviously you don't want to keep all that stuff, you know, at your house. Like, no, we need to downsize. We need to get rid of things. So you know, what do you do? You could either, you know, sell it on Facebook Marketplace or or maybe to somebody you know, whatever the case, whatever you want to do. But if you're just not getting any type of traction through those mediums, then you should go to racingjump.com. You can sign up for free. Um, they do have paid tiers, but you can start out for free. Post your stuff, and hey, you might even find stuff that other people have posted that you might want to. So, um, so yeah, go to racingjunk.com, and they are the official classified for Race Wife Unfiltered. Welcome to Race Wife Unfiltered, hosted by your favorite bougie race wife, Rachel Thornhill. Every week, she shares stories of her life as a race wife and other women in motorsports, giving them a platform so their voices can be heard. Hey guys, welcome back to Race Wife Unfiltered. I am your host, Rachel Thornhill, and today we have a special guest with us. Uh, she is a content creator. Uh, she has her own channel called Above the Yellow Line, and she has a degree in broadcast journalism. And I mean, obviously, if you're into NASCAR, all NASCAR content, she's the person you need to go to. So um, we have with us Taylor Kitchen. Hi, Taylor. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, no, glad to have you. I'm so glad that you were able to take time out of your busy schedule because you obviously, you know, have above the yellow line, but you also work behind the scenes too. You know, you manage communications for two different driver development programs and all these things that you have going on. And you just recently graduated too. So it's like you had all this stuff, you know, happening all at the same time. So yeah, it's it's been busy, but it's been exciting. Um, a lot of times, there's a lot of worry coming out of college of like, oh my gosh, where do like do I have a job? Do, you know what I mean? And yeah, it was nice to not worry about that. But definitely, like while I was in school, I was working these two jobs plus the content creation at the same time, and it was a lot. So, but <laughs> I glad to have the opportunities that I have. And yeah, no, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's amazing that you, you know, you already had like pretty much a portfolio, like built up like that, you know, while you were in college, because yeah, like you mentioned, not very many people have that. They pretty much have to, right after they graduate, it's like, 
they might have to intern somewhere or whatever. Like they don't have that experience yet, but you got that experience from being a content creator. And that, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And I will say too, even my school, they pushed um, my program really hard into getting internships. So I was fortunate enough to have that kind of push to get that real world experience. And I interned with an outlet called the Podium Finish with Rob Tiongson, who run, runs that. And I got to, you know, cover races for the first time in person. And I got to like work on really writing articles and how you write them for NASCAR, kind of how you write sports articles in a sense. And I got experience with my current job. I was able to use that as an internship, but I learned a lot more, especially on the marketing side of the sport. And then also my school had a really great like sports media program that they continued to develop. And I was able to get so much experience through that. So um, in a way, it, it really helped that my school, my program was really building us to what we wanted to do outside of school. So it was very helpful that way. Yeah. Um, and, and it's great that you had a, you know, a school that was willing to venture out like more into the sports aspect of it. Cause a lot of times, especially with journalism programs, you know, they tend to stick more like not to sports, you know, that tends to be more of like a sports casting type, you know, concentration. And they mainly focus on, you know, regular journalism, you know, whether that's like newspaper magazine or they, you know, focus more on like news anchors like that type thing and not really the sports side of it so uh, I think that's amazing that they they were more open about doing that um because yeah you don't really have a lot of them that really focus on sports and so or or you know like for example like I I actually went to full sale for a short period of time and they actually have a sports casting degree now because that's what they were trying to do they were trying to separate it you know, from the regular journalism degree, because it's totally different. Like, and so, yeah, like, I feel, you know, having that type of opportunity, you know, makes it a lot easier for you to be able to specialize in sports. So yeah, what was funny is, I mean, nobody in, like, we had a sports organization at our school, um, they re- they just rebranded it to the Falcon Media Sports Network, I think our, our, ma- our school mascot was the Falcons. And I, it, when I joined, I was like, I'm the only one that knows about motorsports here. And the president at the time was like, oh, well, I'm a NASCAR fan, but there was no NASCAR around where I, mm-hmm. where we were based. So it was me trying to explore explore other sports really for the first time. And I got to do like color commentating for a volleyball game, but I did a lot of work behind the scenes. I found that I really loved like the production aspect of putting together a sports broadcast and um, radio was super fun for me. Uh, And then also learning that anchor side of things. And we have, uh, for my capstone course, we basically ran a whole newscast for the entire semester. And it was really challenging. And for me, it was stepping into the world of like news, news for the first time. Right. Covering like local stories and things like that. But we also had like a block of that show where we did sports. And we had a great um, sportscaster who's now the president of that organization. His name is Steve Iwanek. And he put together the entire show every single week and it was so fun to learn from him and the entire crew um but you know, it was it's incredible what my university was able to put together in terms of sports because you are right a lot of universities don't have that sorry there's an interest in sports and kids are like i don't know what to do like i, I really want to go to like learn how to do sports broadcast whether it's mm-hmm. writing you're kind of learning that right out of college so i was very lucky to be able to learn that at my university and even then just in my internships and beyond yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it it's helped you grow as a creator, 
you know, because yeah. I mean, you know, you're able to take that and utilize it in, you know, in everything that you do now. So, it, so, you know, it helps you have like a more, I guess you could say more colorful background when it came to, right. you know, when it came to doing uh, what you do now. So, yeah, because because being a content creator, technically you are running your own, pretty much your own TV show because it's like you're doing all the production part, you know, with with content creation, like you're having to edit videos and you're having to do all this stuff. And it's like, so, yeah, I mean, you pretty much are running your own your own network in a way you do your own graphics, you edit and I. I learned how to edit. When I was in high school, I was the president of our school's uh, film club, essentially. Mm-hmm. And we'd like, like to make short films. And we never watched films, which is the thing that like shocked me. I never was like, let's just watch movies and dissect them. I was like, I want to make stuff. I want to create right. stories. And I learned how to edit that way. Like I'm self-taught in that sense. And then I went to college and it was so much easier. Just I, was, I didn't feel behind or I wasn't learning on a tight schedule. And it, it really is on your own. And I'm lucky I have a team now that's able to help out with mm-hmm. my friends that help with my channel and everything like that. But I am writing. I am producing my own stuff, promoting um, lots of editing. And I think um, just nobody understands how much time editing takes. Yeah. It's a hassle. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's nice to be my own boss in that sense. I can control the cons and I can, you know, I have creative control, which is I'm blessed to be able to have. Right. But it is. It is like a full-time job. It really is. It's a lot of work, but it is fun. It's fun work, though. Yeah. No, and and I agree with you 100%. I mean, you know, pretty much being a content creator myself. Like, we, you know, it's something that we're passionate about. And so it's like, to us, it doesn't really feel like work, you know? Because it's like, yeah, it's a lot, but we love it so much that it doesn't really matter. Like, it doesn't feel tedious, so yeah so like i'm willing to put in the hours to do all of this because it's something that i truly love to do um it's like it's not like a regular job where like you're just going to it because you're just like oh i just need it to be an adult and pay bills (laughs) yeah so it's like yeah yeah like my thing with the normal nine to five doesn't scare me i've done that before like going through high school and even like through college i had uh, well, going into high school, I had a job where I was a waitress at a, a senior living facility, mm-hmm. and I would work from like six in the morning until like ten at night. Like yeah. I would just, just work, you know, saving up money for college and things like that. And then when I got into college, I was able to work at my school's pop culture library, which was one of the coolest jobs I've ever had. That was kind of like a like a scheduled. Uh, but I found so much joy in being my own boss, mm-hmm. doing my own schedule, not only for my health, my uh, I have a chronic illness that it's, you know, I'm trying to maintain that. And with that, being able to manage my own schedule is really helpful. But yeah. mental health, too. You know, there's times where you have to step back and take a break. Mm-hmm. And content, you're not able to do that because it's right. such a grind. But it's it's freeing as well to be able to say, you know what? I need to take I need to take maybe two hours off just to chill. And then I can mm-hmm. get back to work or you, you make your own schedule. And that's been that's been really wonderful. Yeah. And and I totally relate where you're coming from because with my, myself having you know med- medical issues and stuff like that too yeah that's exactly why I want to become my own boss so I can have that time off when I need when I, you know and be able to you know be like okay look like today is just one of those days it's like I I'm not going to be able to really do anything at all and I can actually 
take that time off and not feel bad about it or not feel like, oh, well, I've got to get with my manager to make sure I have PTO, right? Like you don't have to do all of that. And you can be like, okay, today, like I'm not working. Like I, I, I just have to do self-care. Like today is a yeah. self-care day because it's like, I can't, like I'm not doing it. Yeah. And to be able to have that flexibility, it's more like a freedom thing, right? Like it's, yeah, yeah it's to have that flexibility, but it's that freedom to be able to choose, hey, I'm not working today. I'll work tomorrow. And and you don't feel bad about it. Like you, you and it's no big deal. Like nobody's gonna come down hard on you because you didn't show up to work the end of that day. Right. So yeah. Yeah. And it's a freedom not only just like if you need that day for your health, you don't feel guilty because there's a lot of guilt mm-hmm. that comes with having a chronic condition. Yeah. Just been so much behind that. But as well for me, because I've been really sick and also because, you know, I've been in college, I haven't gotten to really explore with my life. I haven't been mm-hmm. able to do a lot of travel. I haven't been able to just kind of, kind of, I guess, not necessarily find myself, but find my passion. Right. Sports. I know that for sure. But mm-hmm. what else is out there? Because yeah. if I burn myself out on work, that's a lot. That's my mm-hmm. That's my hobby. That's my love. What else is out there? So it's been fun to be able to travel without the stress of I'm missing something. Oh my gosh, I can take my work with me. So that's been really yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and like you said, I mean, you spent so much time in college and, you know, in doing this. Yeah. Like, I mean, what else is there? Because it's like, yeah, that might be your passion. But I mean, there could be other things that you just haven't experienced yet. And, you know, and you're still young, too. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, but even so, like, just because you have, like you mentioned, you haven't really traveled much you haven't been able to experience other cultures you haven't been able to do a lot of those type of things and i and 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 i understand which where you're coming from because that's kind of where i'm at too in my life but obviously a lot older because i'm 37 so it's like i'm kind of like in that weird like transition it's like not midlife crisis but like kind of like i don't know if it'd be it's somewhere in between that and quarter so it's kind of like one of those things. But a lot of it for me is because I had my kids really young. I mean, I had my first kid at 18 and then I had my next one at 21. So it's like I pretty much, you know, like my my younger adult years, I was living it like with kids. And yeah. so it's like now my kids are, you know, almost grown like my oldest one she moved she moved to go to college already I mean she turned 18 she turned 18 in May so like her you know she's she left my youngest daughter's 15 so I've got three years with her and then she's off to college so it's like I'm kind of like at that thing where like I'm gonna be an empty nester in three years and and so I'm like what do I do (laughs) like I've never I don't know how what to do with my life now because I've been a mom for so long. It's like I and and that was the thing. It was like I kind of had almost like an identity crisis. All of a sudden it hit me because I'm like, you know, I've literally just been working in the corporate world since I was 18, you know, just to take care of my kids and, you know, and support my family. And, you know, my husband supports us and everything, too. But, you know, two income household. And I'm like. Besides that, I've never really done anything for me, like a passion, like a passion project, whatever. I haven't really done anything like that. And so I was like, that needs to change. And then that's when the podcast became what it is. So, (laughs) well, I guess from the other side of that, so I'm a triplet. 
So what else? Yeah, so we all left the nest at one time for my parents. It was the three of us, and that's it. And for my parents, it was like, what did we do? Like, how? <laughs> like, and seeing that through, like, the lens of being their child, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I hope they figured this out. And then I got really sick, and I went back home. And mm-hmm. since then, we've all kind of rotated being home. Uh, right. Just, like, trying to get our bearings with life, and mm-hmm. either, whether it's buying a house, getting apartments, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But it's been so fun to see just my parents almost, like, not like grow up again, but they have right. a chance to really find themselves. And that's so important. Um, but yeah, just the life transition thing, that's for sure. It, I feel like in every stage of your life, I feel like after college, there's a huge thing of like trying to find yourself. You're like, yeah. I schedule. I only knew waking up at like mm-hmm. my hands and falling asleep at weird times. But now what do I do? Like, what am I doing? Yeah. And when I had more time off and I started to, you know, kind of get those roles and careers in college, working with tobychristie.com and mm-hmm. racing development and the Hornadays, I found I really like, like managing. I love managing things. I love doing more of the PR side of mm-hmm. things, working one-on-one with the drivers or whether it's working with the team. It's, you learn, the more you do in life, the more you'll learn. And mm-hmm. being able to step back from school was so important to me in my development in my career. And even still, like, I'm still searching for what exactly I want to do. Mm-hmm. But I'm, like, I'm excited for wherever, wherever it takes me. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I de- knowing yourself, learning yourself, that's so important. Yeah, it definitely is. And and the thing is, and, and it, it's sad because some people never truly find out their life's purpose because, you know, like, they're just so stuck in, I guess you would say more like societal norms and like not thinking outside the box and pretty much fit trying to fit in that box. And it's like, to me, like, and I think that's why I kind of struggled too, like as an adult trying to find myself was because, you know, you, you kind of, you kind of want to, you kind of listen to people like, and you try to end up, you external validation can be a really big problem you know (laughs) and so it's like when you're constantly like hearing people say oh well why would you do that or like why don't do that why don't you do this you know and especially if they're older than you and they've had a lot more experience than you you might think that that you know that they mean well and they're actually telling you like something that you should do but at the same time it's like when you're young you don't really know better you know, that you don't always have to listen to your elders because unfortunately we're taught that as at very young ages to respect your elders and do what they tell you. But sometimes your elders are not always right. Like, and, and yeah, and I think because of some of that societal like norms that we're, you know, that we're always taught, I think that sometimes hinders us too. And, um, and so that's why like, that's why I, try not to like do that with my kids that's why like they're if their interests are in something I don't keep them from being passionate about whatever they're into because it's like I don't want them to be hindered the way that I was as a kid because it's like there were certain things I wanted to be but you know like the whole artist thing you know the starving artist stereotype like, yeah, no, like, don't go be an artist. Like, you know, you're not going to make any money. You're not going to be able to live. Like, how many people nowadays, I mean, literally, if you think about it, being a content creator is being an artist, but it's yeah. just in video form. That's it. Because, I mean, you have to be creative when it comes to storytelling and yeah. everything. Like, it is creativity. Like, it's all right brain stuff for the most part, except when you start getting into, like, the 
tech is part of it, right? So it's a mixture. It's it's literally the perfect balance of left and right brain. Like if you think about it. Right. And my whole thing too is like, and there's always things I was like afraid to try or afraid mm-hmm. to do career-wise or just life-wise where if I'm like, you know what, I want to go to a concert, but then I worry, I'm like, okay, well, crowds, that freaks me out. Or like there's <laughs> things that I think for, you know? But then I'm like, but you're never going to know unless you do it. Right. I was so lucky with my parents and my siblings. They, whatever we wanted to do, whatever we were passionate about, they found a way. We always found a way. And juggling three kids at once, that's difficult financially and just schedule-wise. That's a lot. But I played sports growing up. I played basketball, tennis, soccer. Uh, I'm going to consider bowling a sport. I got high school credit for it. Why not? Yeah. Um, working in same thing. Like, I did so many different things, gymnastics. And it was because I was just curious. I wanted to figure out, you know, what I wanted to do. I had a lot of energy as a kid that I was like, where do I put this energy? <laughs> but it helped me figure out kind of who I was and what I wanted to be. So having that freedom to just kind of explore and figure out without those restrictions is great. But I also know, you know, as you grow up, you listen right. to your elders a little bit more. It's almost like there's too many cooks in the kitchen. Like yeah. there's somebody on your shoulder saying, do this. And someone on the other shoulder saying, do that. Right. What do I actually want? I think, you know, leaving the nest is so nice to be able to find yourself and figure out who you are. And I think from being at college and learning the skills I learned there, but also too just stepping into the world of motorsports. You know, my my grandma's been a fan of the sport for literally as long as I can remember. I didn't care about motorsports, period, until Mm -hmm. I was like 16 because I was just kind of stuck inside. And I was like, I'll just watch a race with my grandma. Why not? And I, I got invested. And then 2017, I went to my first race and I was like, where was this my whole life? Like, mm-hmm. this is so exciting. It's thrilling. The atmosphere, the sight, the smells. Like, I, I fell in love with it. And it was because I tried something new. And it was because I just kind of took myself out of my current position of where I was. Right. Um, let's just do something different. And um, through that as well, I was able to find more of myself and my confidence. And even, I'm sure you can relate to this too, the more you do content creation, the more you kind of find your path and you find your style as an artist. Right. And you're just able to run with it. And um, even just, it builds confidence too. If I listen back to uh-huh. myself from 2021 when I started my brand, I sound awful. I sound so <laughs> awkward. Like I sit in the cringe because I'm like, what was I thinking? And now I'm like, okay, I'm comfortable on camera. Yeah. Put together full stories, full circle. I can talk to an audience. And so it's it's helped me build who I am, but also just having the freedom to just kind of think for myself, figure things out for myself has been incredibly helpful. Yeah, I agree. And and like you mentioned, the cringe of like watching yeah. yourself from back then. Yeah. So like I started the podcast in December of last year. So I mean, it hasn't been very long. But even in that short period of time, like if I go back to my first episode and listen to myself now, it's not the same person. Yeah. Because I, w- well, I'm like a major introvert. So like this puts me out- way outside of my comfort yeah. zone. But but I like it because it's like it's getting me out of that. And, you know, you always hear, you know, that everything that you truly want is outside of your comfort zone, right? It like, is. It is. It and really so, is. Yeah. And so it's like that was my way of pushing myself out of my comfort zone. And so, um, yeah, so like you can tell, like you can sometimes hear like in my voice, like how I'm not very confident about things or like I might like stumble a lot because it's like I'm kind of like all over the place yeah and, but now like yeah though like it's it's a night and day difference and I love that because I'm glad that I put myself in this situation because it's 
also helped me not, you know, with all different types of skills, because especially like with, I mean, this is technically public speaking. It's just, I'm doing it between one other person or maybe two other people. Cause on a couple of podcast episodes, I had more than one person, but that's it. Like, but still, I mean, it helps me with speaking to people because that's something that like, I wasn't very confident doing even as a kid, like I, that really? terrified me, you know? So, yeah. Uh, public speaking. I, I used to, so I used to be a theater kid. So I was very much like, I'm ready to be like in front of people on the stage. And I was like, yeah. I'm older, I kind of reverted back. I was like, maybe I don't like this. Like I got into college and I was like, I'm not going to think that. Really. It really is like you listen to yourself. It's night and day. You learn like networking skills is so important. Yeah. So, like, through this, like you, you have to nail those skills right. and you have to be good at it. And, uh, I will say, I think I've always been an extrovert. I, I really think I have. It's mm. just like, as I've been more healthy and as I've just kind of gotten more into like my passion and what I do, it's like far beyond what I've ever, ever done. Like I, we actually looked at pictures, um, from when I was a kid, like my parents and I, a few weeks ago and my mom was sending us pictures and she was like, Taylor, you were so photogenic when you were younger. And I would just be in pictures next to my siblings who were like crying or like, like just stone faced. Mm-hmm. I guess they're just like like they were there would be no expression on their face. And I would be there with like my arms spread out, like smile and like like at some point I knew I was gonna have a career like broadcast camera, or whatever it was. Right. Yeah. It was just a matter of I guess waiting they're probably gonna find that passion. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. That, that's always funny to look back and be like, I guess the dots connected in some way, shape. Right. <laughs> and it just happened to be in motorsports. Yeah. Yeah. And see, I was kind of like you. I, I got into motorsports late. Um, I didn't know anything about racing until I met my husband and I met him, you know, I mean, that was 18 years ago, you know, so like that. Yeah, we've been together for 18 years. So I I knew absolutely nothing um, coming into it. And he races. So like that. So I was thrown directly into it, you know, from day one. But I love it. Like, you know, and and it was something that like I never judged it. It's just I just didn't know anything about it. So I went into it with a very open mind. And now it's like it's a major part of my life and it it's not going to go away. You know, even, you know, even if like, you know, if even if my husband and I wouldn't have worked out like, you know, back then or whatever, I still I would still be into motorsports today. Like because, yeah, like I. I got so immersed into it that it, it none of that would have made a difference. It's like, yeah. Yeah. It, the, the thing that's crazy is I went into it. You said you went into it open-minded. I think either I was very close-minded about it or mm-hmm. my first thought of that was like, oh, like NASCAR. That's like redneck sport, right? Like I thought all the stereotypes around it. And yeah. I put myself in the environment of a race weekend. I was like, what was I thinking? Like, this is so cool. <laughs> I literally, I became such like a, a monster on Twitter and I would like talk about NASCAR like 24-7 and I would yeah. like, I would just make my opinions or I would ask questions or I would type about drivers and I would just research and everything like that. And for me, I love racing and I love watching the racing and that part of it's so fascinating. But I think the industry with NASCAR is so unique as opposed to other sports and the mm-hmm. personalities are unique and its background is unique. And I, that's where I love, like I love the storytelling from that aspect to right. drivers silly season like where are these drivers going what are they doing uh and that's where i found my passion within the sport is talking through that but man it's if i would have been more open-minded to motorsports because i mean 
when cars came out i was like what eight maybe younger something like that and i love that movie but i never went to be like oh let's watch more cars I, it was never yeah, that but if i would have been more open-minded i'm like maybe i would have been more of a lifelong fan like my counterparts like there's a lot of there's a lot of male it's a male dominated industry right okay and in terms of content created creation too it is as well mm -hmm. like when i started my channel in 2021 i started it because you know i that's the time where i was really sick in my life and i was like what am i doing like what do i do i can't do right. it here anymore i gotta you know put effort into something mm -hmm. and, as opposed to you know getting myself better it was right. great let's talk nascar i i want to have a community that i can speak to and mm -hmm. also i didn't see anyone else at that time that i was aware of that was making content like i wanted to make that was also female right so it was also, you know, I wanted to be a different voice. I wanted to just, even just for newer fans too, who were just getting into the sport, be a voice that. But it was, there was so much that went into it. And I'm like, man, I would have been so much farther along, maybe if mm -hmm. I would have been more of a lifelong fan. But it's also kind of a blessing to be able to join the sport a little later. Cause I think I, I feel as if I have a different perspective on it than yeah. somebody who's been around a little bit longer and has listened mm -hmm. through it. I can see things from, a newer perspective, especially right. in terms of like newer fans coming into the sport mm -hmm. and the direction NASCAR is going in in particular. Everyone's like, well, why are we going to the Chicago street course? And everyone hates it. And I'm like, that's actually a brilliant idea. Yeah. Like, it's so good. I was hesitant, but I'm like, it's brilliant. And here's why. So it also offers different perspective. I don't know if it did that for you as well. Like looking back, if it offered something different. Yeah, it did. Um, And yeah, because I mean, the thing is, I feel like people that have lived in it forever right, they automatically have certain biases towards the sport, right? Because they've lived in it all their lives. But when you're coming from, you know, not knowing anything about the sport and coming into it, like you mentioned, yeah, you come in with a totally different perspective, but you also can relate a lot to the newer fans and they can because yeah. they, they grew up, you know, for children. So they don't have that new fan perspective because you know they, they that wasn't that didn't exist for them you know because it was something they that they were always accustomed to so yeah so i i do think like we can relate to newer fans more because we used to be in that position because we were them at one time you know yeah look where we are now right Go. exactly <laughs> no right like yeah i mean it makes a huge difference um when when you come into the sport later because it's like yeah you 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 can relate to other people that either don't know much about the sport and aren't even fans yet but like they're kind of like looking for content that would maybe push them over that edge to become an actual fan and we can cater to those people because we know exactly what they're what they're going through because we've been there yeah right and I think along with that, too, there's also, you know, just women in sports in general, it's always mm -hmm. like, you know, being out like we can be out knowledge or we are like, oh, like women in sports. Sure. You watch like five like games a season or something like that. And it's like, no, like we're invested. We care. Yeah. We know a lot about the sport. And also to being a newer fan, there's an added pressure to that of mm -hmm. you don't know as much as somebody who's been around for longer. And I right. recognize that and I embrace it. I'm like, mm -hmm. I know I wasn't watching racing in the early 2000s and like, the t like I guess early 2010s. I know that there's so much I have to learn, but the difference is I'm willing to learn it. I'm willing to put in the effort to do that yeah. while also being like, hey, but my brand and my goal is to get newer fans attached to the sport. And 
I think something that's changed over time too is, you know, start, we, I started off as a fan. Mm-hmm. So I have that, that the want and need to root for a certain driver, a certain team or something like that. But over time, over the past few years, especially since starting to work for Toby and the driver development program, mm-hmm. it's more like, okay, now I'm just team motorsports. I'm team NASCAR. Right. I want us to move into the future. I want this sport to be successful and I want it to have a longevity mm-hmm. so people can enjoy it way past our time. Will that happen? I don't know, but I want to be part of that as opposed to more so like uh, in the fan perspective. And it, a lot of it is too like, yes, you know, I want to work in an industry that I love, but a lot of, a lot of it is too like I just, you've gained a different perspective of the sport and also it's mm-hmm. too finding your passion. I'm passionate about this industry. I want to help grow it. And I feel like it also has more to offer because of that new fan perspective. It's like, right. hey, I kind of know where the sport's headed. I know mm-hmm. where the fan base is headed. Let me help. So in that way too, it's also been helpful career-wise to come in a little newer. Yeah, no, I and I agree. Like, like you mentioned, it's like, you're, you're just about the industry period. And it's like, in order for this industry to keep growing, we have to have new fans come in. Yeah, because eventually, and I mean, let's be real, eventually, the older fans die off, right? And you got to you got to cater to the younger generations, or the sport will become nothing. Because you have to be able to keep it going multi-generational. And that's the only way to be able to build this industry and keep it, you know, and let it have longevity. Other than that, you're not going to. And so you have to be, you know, understanding and want new fans to come in, no matter where they are when it comes to their knowledge. Um, You know, and like you mentioned, the whole thing about women in motorsports, period, like whether we're just fans and invested in it. Um, or if we actually work in the industry, whatever it may be, like for sometimes the like people that have been in it for so long try to make it almost like a competition. Like, oh, if you don't know this much stuff, then you're you're not a real fan. Like, no, it, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm not going to know who won a specific race back in like '76 because I don't, I I I didn't even exist back then. I I don't, you know what I'm saying? And it's not like I know some history of like nascar you know like some of the grassroots stuff but there's still a lot i don't know and it's like you can't expect everybody to know every single fact and be a walking encyclopedia yes okay exception <laughs> there is one of my friends who works on channel with me his name is dom joseph he now works for nascar i'm mm-hmm. having his lifelong dream we call him the encyclopedia because <laughs> we can literally ask him who won the like bristol race in 2007 on this date and he'll tell you exactly who it was manufactured team by how many seconds wow he it's ridiculous and he's told stories when he's at work and they're like trying to fact check something he'll be like oh yeah it's this and his work friends would be have been like what how did you know he's like it's just all it's all up here like he remembers things so easily and i'm i get so jealous of that i'm like i'm <laughs> that type of person but I'm not. But no, it's true though. But majority, like besides like 99, 99.9% of all of us are not encyclopedia. Right. <laughs> like my friend is, but it, it's true even to like the long time fans, they're not going to know everything either. Nobody knew everything. But what's nice and through these platforms that we have mm-hmm. is we're able to share our knowledge and our experiences. And I think even to bringing it back into just what NASCAR is doing right now, going back to North Wilkesboro, that's mm-hmm. a great chance to bring in newer fans and say, okay, Here's what NASCAR used to be like. Right. You history lesson while also bringing in a modern take on NASCAR with the Gen 7 car, some new faces and everything mm-hmm. like that. So 
it's also NASCAR trying to merge like the past and the present, but it's also making sure that we all have an open dialogue and we're all open to Because if you're not open to learning, one, you're not going to grow as a person. Mm -mm. Two, you're going to be so stuck in the now that you're not going to be able to relate to your audience to help your audience out. So exactly, that's another thing as well is just being willing to learn and also recognizing that you're not going to know everything. The person next to you is not going to know everything. So that's another thing. Yeah. No, and I I totally agree. And it's like, yeah, like you mentioned, like when you stop learning, that's when you stop growing. Like, yeah, you, we're supposed to evolve as people. We're never supposed to stop learning at all. Um, but yeah, some people get stuck in their ways after so long, you know, and don't and, and you know, they pretty much believe that everything that they know is right. And there are some people like and I think social media has really brought that out. There's some people that will think they are so right about something and will literally just like embarrass themselves in comments. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, you will die on that hill. And I'm like, hey, you're wrong. And I'm like, you literally have a phone that you could Google it and it wouldn't even take two seconds and it would tell you how wrong you are. Yes. And you are still like, no, this is it. And I'm yeah. like, man, like... Ego thing, it's a brain. Yeah. Like, it's so much easier, though, especially when you're learning. You're gonna make mistakes. Yeah. You're gonna say something that's incorrect. Mm -hmm. You're like, you know what? My bad. I recognize I was wrong. That is on me. I will learn from that, and I will grow. It's easy to do. You just have to, like, let your, your pride go a little bit. Yeah. That's also, the only way you grow, too. If you have such an ego... You're not going to break any barriers. You're not going to like, you're not going to be open to new ideas, new thoughts. New so yeah, a lot of it is though, just open your phone, type in this little, <laughs> that's all you have to do. Right. Yeah. It's not like you have to go these days and actually go open up an encyclopedia to right. find something, right? Like you literally have your phone in front of you. Um. So yeah, like now you don't, it's like you literally have information at your fingertips you have no reason to like right. not research something before you talk about something or whatever um but obviously with that you also have to use discernment because there's stuff on the internet that isn't always right either right but yeah look at like five different websites and three of them will say one thing and two will say the other then you're like what's right, right. and that's when you talk to like and then that's confusing too then you just talk to people that you know and that's when you it's doing the extra steps mm -hmm. to make sure that accurate. And that's not what a lot of people are willing to do. And that's something I'm still learning. I might do all five steps to be accurate. Right. And I might say something and then it's like, well, I was wrong. I'm like, what do you mean? I went through all five steps. Mm -hmm. and sure enough, I'll ask and I'll be like, how was I wrong? I, I looked through all the resources of the right. app. But at the end of the day, I was wrong. We yeah. did the mistake next time. So it's, yeah, it's, it's being... Cautious, knowing your sources, and you're asking questions. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, yeah, and and it's like I mean now with us having all this information, being able to talk to people like that are halfway across the world, right? Like in yeah. a matter of seconds, right? Like there's now I feel is like the best time for motorsports yeah. because you can easily like grow communities and not even be anywhere near each other yeah like but the biggest shock for me was after the chicago street course race mm -hmm. that the cup series ran um shane dingensburg and won right like 
I put out a video recapping that race and it got, for me, it was a high view on YouTube because YouTube, that algorithm is just awful in my opinion. But it got like 2.8 thousand views and I was like, what in the world? And all the comments were like, hey, I'm from Australia, I'm from New Zealand. And I'm like, I never thought I could connect with an audience. Mm -hmm. But it's through like the social media outlets we have now and that communication that I was able to bring people on. Or I've had comments from people saying like, hey, I'm from the UK, love your content. Now I'm a NASCAR fan. And I'm like, that's crazy. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm like, there. I don't feel that people from the other parts of the world would have been invested in NASCAR, but it's with the content creation, which is getting out there and making content. It's it's bringing more people into the sport, which is really neat. And I think NASCAR is really working on expanding with, you know, maybe looking at an international race next year, um, bringing in drivers from different countries like um, Trackhouse has been doing, RCR is going to be doing that for the Indy Road course. Like, I think everyone's jumping on it is like, okay, this is the time where we have to expand the sport. We have, yeah. have great momentum from where we were going with Chicago and the different changes that we're making. Let's expand that. So great. it's it's crazy to see how much social media has just, I, I think, it's starting to grow the sport more in a positive way. I think there was a time maybe a few years ago where we were like, oh my gosh, like we're kind of still like, yeah. going anywhere. But now... Especially with the leadership, I think from Ben Kennedy in particular, who's bringing out all these crazy ideas, <laughs> like you're seeing the sport grow, and that's so exciting. Yeah, and and the thing is, it's like it's not something new to NASCAR going international. I mean, they went right. to Japan, you know, exactly. and it's like the fact that like they just all of a sudden stopped doing that is the crazy thing because it's like they were doing that, and then you know you also had the NASCAR the Euro Series out right. there. And, you know, but you don't, you don't really hear about that stuff. And then you have the Mexico series, but like a lot of people don't know about it. Like there's, so there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of series that NASCAR does have that a lot of people are not even invested in because then you also have the Wheeling series, you know, you have, yeah. So you have like smaller series that you don't really hear about either. So, right. And I think now for me, I, I know it's so important to be able to expand and know a lot about different things. And mm-hmm. I would say I've always been a kid that's wanted to know a lot about multiple different things, but I've never really focused on one central thing. This should be right. And when it came to NASCAR and the sport and just the busy schedule, I've literally focused on like the Cup Series. Mm-hmm. And in the past few years, I've been like, okay, let's expand that bubble. We went to Xfinity, Truck, um, yeah. learning more about ARCA. Now I'm in love with IndyCar. Like I'm just learning it. I'm just getting into it this year. But like you can't see it on camera. But like over here, I have a whole IndyCar shelf now. Just <laughs> die casts and hats and stuff like that. And uh, getting into, I try to get into Formula One. I'm still, I'm still working on that. But yeah, one of my buddies is into the Wheel and Modified Tour. Like he um, takes photos. He has some clients there, and we hear about it weekly from him. And there's so much beyond just the Cup Series and what car into their other series too that it's so important to be able to expand and learn about it's just a matter of making sure you're finding the time to do that mm-hmm. so that's that's a big thing there yeah yeah and definitely i mean it, it takes a lot to like immerse yourself into all these different you know racing organizations and know a lot about them yeah because i mean with me it's like i mean i my husband races dirt right so World of Outlaws, all that stuff. Like, I know a lot about because I've been around the dirt racing scene for 18 years. But obviously, we've always been NASCAR fans. We go to Talladega every year and we camp in the infield. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we've been doing that for three years now. Um, and then we're, you know, also IndyCar. I saw my first IndyCar race at Texas Motor Speedway. 
Um, that was in 2016. Yeah. And that was amazing. Like, I was like, oh my God, I need to be able to see another IndyCar race. I have not been able to go to another IndyCar race because we live in Louisiana. And so it's like, they're to find a track that's very close is very hard. So yeah, like, you know, we would have to really travel. Um, I mean, the closest would really be, you know, Coda and like, yeah. that, that would be the closest one um road course wise so yeah because I mean, we do have a i mean we have nola motorsports park here but um the only like the only thing that comes here is like the G- gt world world challenge they come here um but that's really it like we don't really have like anybody that comes here for uh for racing like that um and well we have like ascs that comes you know um to one of the dirt tracks further up north but that's it that's it so yeah we don't have a lot of uh like larger racing organizations that come here so it's like we have to travel to be able to go see that type of stuff so we used to go to kentucky speedway with my grandparents because that was that was kind of our home track we dotted we have mid ohio in our in my state of ohio Uh, but we never really went there because my grandparents really like to focus on like the cup series. Mm-hmm. So that's where we went. And then of course we stopped going to Kentucky, RIP Kentucky. And yeah. then we're like, where did we go now? So uh, the past two summers we've gone to Charlotte Motor Speedway, which is, it's not like a home track by any means, but it's been nice to be able to go there. The racing there has been spectacular mm-hmm. every single year that we've gone in um, mid Ohio. Obviously now I've learned about it. I've been able to travel there, which has been nice. And, uh, covering ARCA trucks and um, going to the IndyCar race as a fan was really cool. Uh, and then Michigan International Speedway, uh, I went to for the first time last year, and that was really fun too. And I, I it was just it was a neat experience, and especially just seeing how different every track is for each other yeah. from like the, the the I guess the at track experience is a little mm-hmm. different depending on where you go. Uh, but those were really fun. And then working mid Ohio too, it's such an underrated track. It's mm. it's. It's a little run down, like, and I say that in the, I guess, the best and most respectful way. Right. Yeah. It's it's a little run down, but it's charming. And it's so, it's such a tricky track that I think a lot of people underestimate. I mean, IndyCar, there was a scary wreck with Simon Pageant. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah, like, it was scary. And, um, but the racing was so good. And for a truck in ARCA, that was chaos, especially (laughs) with Reed. Uh, and it was fun to talk to all the drivers about like expectations because last year's race was really rainy and gross and everything like that. But it it's so fun to go to, and I think the more I go to different tracks, I'm like, now I need to expand. Like, let's go to mm-hmm. let's go to Indy Motor Speedway. Let's go to all these other different tracks. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, no. It, but any any car race at Texas, that's what I really want to go to. They put on such a show there. Oh, it's good. It's it's amazing. Um, yeah, they were able to go three wide. And that was, that was, and then tried to go four wide. No, that was, yeah, that was insanity. I was like, wait, no, please. I'm like, are they really going to pull this off? I don't see it. But yeah, yeah, it, it, it's really, it's a really neat, um, track to, to go to, um, you know, that was the first NASCAR race that I ever saw was at Texas Motor Speedway too. Um, the same year. So, yeah. So, because we were, we actually were living in the Dallas Fort Worth area at that time. So, the track wasn't even 20 minutes from our apartment. And so, I was like, if we're living here, we might as well go. And then the dirt track is right there. So, yeah. 
Yeah. So we, we like, we went there, we went to the dirt track. We, um, I think it was, I think they ran the night before, like it, like it was like, yeah. So it was a whole weekend thing. So like that Friday night, I think is when the, the dirt track ran or something like that. And then the Saturday was obviously, um, they did stadium tracks and, okay. and then, um, it, the Xfinity, they did it. And I don't think the trucks ran. No, the trucks didn't run. I don't think so. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was different. Cause like they did stadium trucks. I, I was actually really, that was really interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, and so, yeah, so, um, they did that and then, um, you know, the cup race on Sunday, but it was, it was, it was different. It was, it was neat. Um, obviously it's not the type of infield experience you get like at Talladega, you know, like that's a totally <laughs> different thing. Um, and yeah, so we normally go for the fall race. We go in October, you know, end of September, beginning of October. Um, but we realized this year because, um, like we knew of some people that were going to the, to the one in April, we were like, oh no, next year we're going in April because, because the thing is there's so much more stuff to do. And also like they were having the world of outlaws at the dirt track across the street. Oh, and I'm like, are you serious? Like, we don't get to see them very often. You know, um, the last time we saw them was, what, that was maybe like a year or two ago. They came here. Um, We actually, the asphalt track in Monroe, um, they ended up putting dirt on it. And so they came and they ran there at the Rev. um, And now that track is closed. So, yeah, but we actually got to see them once again, finally, um, you know, down here because yeah, last time we saw them like down here, my youngest was barely one years old. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that, yeah, then I mean, she's 15 now. She was a baby. Like, um, and we went to the race. They actually raced in um in Mississippi. Um, and that track is actually closed now. Like, um, that track only opens, they only open like every now and then, like if somebody's willing to put up the money and like sponsor track of a sponsor for a weekend, other than that, they're not open. And yeah, so I was like, you know, um, it, it was really nice to be able to do that. But yeah, like that's like racing's just like a huge part of our lives now. It's like going to races all the time is literally like what we love to do if we can't you know if we can't race so yeah because we race locally and i there's so many more races i want to go to in racing for me i mean not only is it my career and that's how i got connected with like the the hornadays and australia and everything like that but also like my best friends all came off of twitter like we all met on twitter (laughs) and we kind of it it came in rounds like I did like live streams on Twitter or like Twitter spaces or something like that. Yeah. And um, one of my best friends was all that. He's like, hey, you should get connected with this other guy. I'm like, all right. And then I reached out to him and like now he's my best friend. And like we we all became friends just through that group. And right. they're at the track and um, they've been over to like my house and like mm-hmm. been over to like each other's like places of living and things like that. And because um, we're all kind of over in i guess like kentucky um like we're we're all over this part of the country right and but the fact that i'm like i'm able to meet like my best friends 
through like racing and just through like Twitter, through social media, mm-hmm. being at the track. Like that's been crazy to me and how much that's impacted my life. And, yeah. Um, because just a lot of people in my hometown, I live in a very small town. We, we I mean, I refer to it as like a bubble because literally yeah. once you're here, you know everybody. You yeah, see everybody, you know. What's going on with everyone's lives and the racing wasn't a thing at all that we talked about in my town, period. And the only outlet I had was through my grandma or through Twitter. Um, right. And um, after that, you know, getting to expand a little bit more, like that's how I met my friends. That's how I now met, you know, like my, my current bosses and coworkers and, <laughs> and things like that. But it's been such a huge part of my life in that aspect of like networking and just relationships too. Not only is it just something fun to do, but it's right. it's really become a passion and as a way I connected with my family as well. Like my mom, she went to I guess last year at Charlotte was her first race she ever went to. Mm. She fell in love with it. And like we sat next to each other, we were talking about it the whole time and she was there during the Xfinity race at Charlotte. And I think um uh Noah Greg said like he went down a cylinder or something like that I forget exactly what happened to his uh his car mm-hmm. but my mom was like yelling in my ear because it's so loud at the track and she's talking through she's like I can't believe he's running so well this is crazy she was just in awe because she would have never really gotten into motorsports that way yeah. my dad like he doesn't necessarily like watching races live at the track is not mm-hmm. his thing but I mean he'll watch it on tv and he's up on the industry we'll talk about it all the time and of course my grandparents and I've gotten my boyfriend into it and now we go to the races together and he's into collecting um, we're both into collecting like the NASCAR games and things like that so it's I've kind of sucked my whole family into like being a part of like my world of motorsports but it's brought us all a lot closer together that way so yeah uh, very fortunate for that yeah, and and I totally understand, you know, what you're saying cuz like that's kind of how it is with us like w- like racing has brought us closer together as a family. Now, obviously my family they're they're not interested in racing at all. Like we've we've invited them multiple times, they will not come. And I get that. That's just not their thing. Um but like with my husband, obviously he I mean he grew up in racing. His dad raced um you know when he was a kid cuz his dad uh, race sprint cars so um yeah so like my husband has grown up around a track since he was little and he raced sprint car for a while and then now he races a dirt late model um but my youngest daughter like and my oldest daughter they grew up at the track like that so that is their lives you know like they grew up at dirt tracks like my my youngest daughter was almost born at a dirt track Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I started having contractions at the race while my husband was racing. So, yeah, I almost ended up giving birth at the dirt track. Uh, luckily, though, it was like just Braxton Higgs, but I didn't know. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that was like, yeah. And on it, and so, yeah, they were. They took me in an ambulance and my husband was in the middle of his feature and he couldn't stop. So he had to like finish the race and he had to like drive all the way to the hospital in his fire suit. And he was like, yeah, it was crazy. That was like, that was, that's definitely a story. Yeah. (laughs) Are your daughters interested in racing or my youngest? Yes. My youngest wants to wants to drive a dirt late model. Like that's Ooh. her thing. Um, she wants to do what her dad does. You know, I mean, literally, she is like she doesn't even look like me. She she's a cop. She's a she's just a copy of him. Um, so literally, like she looks 
almost exactly like him, just the female version of him. Yeah. And she acts like him too. So I, I tell I'm, him all the time is I'm like, you pretty much gave birth to her because she got nothing for me. Like there's nothing here. <laughs> like, yeah, like I can relate. Like I am, I, I look a lot more like as I've grown up, I've looked a lot more like my mom, like mm-hmm. and things like that. But I act and I talk and I, and I like my expressions and how I move my hands when I talk and everything like that, like come from my dad. Yeah. Uh, my personality comes from my dad and like even like the people skills, he works kind of like an HR recruiting, things like that. Mm-hmm. Like everything comes from him. Like in <laughs> So uh, definitely in that way, I'm like a group daddy's girl. It just it is, you know, it's worked. Um, and now even just being older and, you know, having a, like a career and uh, going to college and just being an adult, it's been fun to just like, now I guess like hang out with my parents and talk to my dad and like to see how similar we are. And it's, right. it's been really cool. I mean, I think every kid at some point wants to follow in their parents' footsteps, like whether both their parents, one of their parents, whatever it is. And it's just, it's a strong connection that we all have with our family and parents and upbringing and things like that so it's been cool just to see as i've grown up but i've gotten some of the best and the worst qualities from my dad the workaholic in me that's from him right <laughs> you know my laptop at like two in the morning trying to get something done uh but yeah i can relate basically whatever my dad has done i wanted to try to follow suit just because mm. you know to me my parents are like my heroes i adore them my grandparents are my heroes and like if i can be like an ounce of who my parents are i want to try to be that for for me personally so uh, yeah, definitely. I get this feeling or get the piece of thought wanting to follow in the footsteps just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she definitely wants to do that. And and he's like, yeah, I'll put you in my car, you know, and I'll just retire. And she's like, no, you can't retire. Like, yeah. I have to race against you. Like, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I understand that. But that means I have to buy another car. Oh, <laughs> because that means and that means we have to buy a bigger trailer because our trailer cannot fit two cars. So like, you're trying to upgrade our whole entire operation. <laughs> like, um, yeah, you know yeah. that that's more money. Like, you have to understand that. Yes, we, we're gonna have to like discuss that. I'm like, you're gonna have to get sponsors because yeah, yeah it's gonna have to happen. And like even just the sponsorship thing, and that's I think the biggest thing I've learned from working behind the camera. For me, I felt it was important to get involved in the industry behind the scenes because I can talk all day I want about the industry and what I know and like from press releases and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to understand more. I wanted to be a bigger asset to right. the folks that I talk to week in week out on screen. And so like the the thing that's blown my mind is how difficult and how much goes in, into getting sponsorship mm-hmm. to those deals, the contracts, things like that. Just from working with one of my drivers, like it, it is a lot. And even too, like sometimes you might have a deal that falls through last minute, mm-hmm. and you're like, well, how does this happen? What what happened? And then you have to start the whole process over again. Mm-hmm. Like it's something from the outside looking in, I didn't realize. Or even too, like last year, the whole big story. I think the biggest story from last year, besides the introduction of the Gen Seven car. Right. was um you know like kyle bush and what is like he doing with his future because m&ms uh-huh. was leaving the sport and like everyone was like well how would he not end up at joe gibbs they don't understand why they can't just find him a sponsor i know i don't know their situation but right. from my experience with my other drivers that i work with i'm like there's so much more that probably went on behind the scenes that just yeah i don't want to say the typical fan is understand because i don't mean to be condescending in that way but there's a lot if you don't know behind the scenes and right. you don't have that knowledge or the mm-hmm. understanding that you might not think about. So I think through that too, I got a different perspective of like, oh my gosh, okay, this is probably A, B, C, D, what happened. 
Uh, but it's it's difficult to find sponsorship. So yeah. when that when that starts to happen for you all, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I I can understand that might be a struggle, but that's yeah. also backtracking a little bit. Really exciting that your daughter wants to race. Like I think that's so cool. Yeah, um, I had a feeling it was going to happen because oh. I mean she she did. I mean she has raced previously. It's just like she hasn't raced in quite some time. When they were when both of my daughters were a lot younger, they raced in car. They did carts, um, and then after that, they did they did motocross. Um, yeah, That's- that <laughs> I was like, you know, uh, the injuries was the was a big problem, yeah. and so yeah, we were like, um, let's just kind of like get you guys out of this and do something else that's a little bit safer, yeah. um, and so. They, you know, and after that, they just kind of, they just kind of didn't want to do anything. Um, And so my husband went back racing when, because we actually, we actually sold the sprint car and all of that to let them race. Because my my husband was like, I'm not going to race if they're wanting to race. So we sold all of that to get them cards and, and then they wanted to move the motocross and stuff. So he stopped racing so he could be involved in that with them. And then since they didn't want to do anything anymore, he's like, well, I'll go back racing then. And so then that's when, um, you know, we got into, um, we, we got into like a mini sprint. Uh, he did mini sprint for a little bit, but like, it, you know, and he did, a, he did go-karts at first um, whenever we first met. But yeah, he was like, I'll, I'll, he tried the mini sprint for a little bit and then they stopped racing them around here. That's why he's like, so we had to start traveling. We were having to go to Texas or we were having to go to Florida or we were having to go to like North Mississippi or like into Alabama sometimes. And it it was just way too much for us to do. So yeah, yeah, so we, uh, so we sold it and, um, and he got a, a dirt light model. And so we've been doing that now. So we've been doing that for a couple of years now. So yeah, it's been fun to watch. Uh, just like some of my clients, they run like late models, dirt like uh-huh. model, uh, legend cars, which I, I adore those. Like you're just so, it's such a unique model of car, yeah. how they race. And even through them, like I've been expanding my horizons. Like we talked earlier about of like, you know, you're so focused on like one series and then you kind of, mm-hmm. you put time and effort into investing and just learning more. And through them, I've learned a lot more about races. Like arena racing is something else like I've never heard of before. And that's how one of my clients got started out. And I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. But there's there is so much travel involved. There's so much sacrifice involved, time involved into it all. Uh, and there's there's so much you don't know until you you just dive in headfirst to it. <laughs> but yeah, there's a there's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot, and and it also depends on where you live too, because it's like if you live in an area that's mainly dirt and you yeah. want to run road course stuff, you have oh. no choice but to travel. You know, like so, and that's another thing too. Or or you pack up and move to a place that has a lot of that within, like you know, a very short distance, so you don't have to constantly travel all the time. But that's the issue is like, you know, most people don't want to pack up their lives and leave where they're where they're at, you know, especially if you've lived here like whole life or something like that, you know, Um, because we I mean, we've left, you know, like that was the only time we left like Louisiana was to go to Dallas because my husband got transferred and 
it, it's not that we didn't like Dallas, but it wasn't home. Like right. when you lived here like your whole life and then you leave and then it's like I kind of understand now because I've actually had a lot of like people I went to high school with and things like that that left and they came back and I didn't understand it. I was like, you went lit like like one like one person I knew. She literally moved to France and and lived over there. Yeah, she went to culinary school out there and everything. Like she went live out there. She came back home and she and and she just you know she came back here and I'm and it was like that was something that she talked about in high school her whole like forever like that was her thing she was like that was her dream i'm moving to france i want to go live there and you know and everything and i found it odd that she came back but it was that it's like you you know when you become so accustomed to being home like just being around people here and the, our culture is just really different it, it it was more of a culture shock i you know i'm assuming and i guess you know, a lot of a lot of people come home. I think too. It, there's a lot of times, and I I will say, like when I was younger, I was like I told you, I was a theater kid. I was like, I want to be Broadway. Right. I want to be Amy School Theater. And I actually, before I decided, I started my college journey um, as a film production major. Before mm. I was like, I actually hate watching movies. Why am I doing this? And I I'm not <sighs> through it like for the first time in forever. But I auditioned to be in my school's musical theater program and. As I was auditioning, I was like, oh, my God, this is not what I want to do. Like, I got into it. I did, like, my real audition. Like, I sang. I did my monologue. I did everything like that. And I'm like, this isn't what I think I'm meant to do or this isn't where I want to be or this isn't whatever. So a lot of it, too, is, like, just realizing, like, maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to do with my life. And then I think the thing that's tricky about the industry, and you'll hear this from anybody working in NASCAR, is the only way you're going to get somewhere. And I wish it wasn't this way necessarily, but I understand why is you have to move to Charlotte. Like the only way you're going to work for NASCAR work in the industry is if you go to Charlotte. And that's what my friends, some of my friends have done and they've made that sacrifice. One Mm -hmm. of them actually is from Ohio and he's moved down to Charlotte to make the dream happen. And he moved about around a bunch of different times before he landed at NASCAR. But for me, it's like, all right, that's a big sacrifice. That's a big step. That's a lot to think through. Like, and then it's also like the baggage you carry, not just physically, but emotionally, like, you know, I have family up here. My my boyfriend's up here. I've got right. like every my whole life has been in Ohio in this yeah. place. But then it's also I think there's a point in your life too where it's like you know what if I don't try and I don't explore it, I'm never gonna know. And I would right. rather live with the regret of you know I tried it and I didn't like the idea yeah. of going to Charlotte than as opposed to just thinking what if my entire life. Right. But I think. For me, for me, career-wise, that's where I'm headed. That's what I want to do. It's far away from Ohio. It's not France. That would be so cool. When it comes to Harris School, like, my God, that's awesome. But it's it's something different. But it's something that I want to do for myself. And it's something that I've built up to. And it, it is like, you know, if you want to work in that industry, you want to yeah. work for the NASCAR, you got to do it. And I mean, I've been able to work remotely from home, which has been great mm-hmm. in working with the teams and the drivers I have and just feeling like I'm part of like their their family, what they right. do. And it's been so awesome. And I want to continue doing that. But I also know if I want to kind of build what I'm working on there and or work for NASCAR or a team or wherever mm-hmm. my next step in my career is. And when that happens, it's got to be in Charlotte. And that's yeah. tough to realize. But, you know, and even just with the content creation side itself, you can do that remotely from wherever. And that's yeah. really helpful. Like we talked about when we started talking about freedom that comes with that. Right. 
But it's, again, it's the sacrifices that have to be made going into a sports industry or a job like this. It's a lot, but yeah. you, and you learn a lot through it. Yeah. And and like you mentioned, it, it's about sacrifice sometimes. Like, you know, the risk is worth the reward. Like, yeah. and you, yeah. And sometimes like you have to take that risk no, no matter what it is. And yeah, like you mentioned, I mean, with NASCAR, that's pretty much a guarantee. You're going to have to move to North Carolina. Yeah. Somehow, whether you, you know, whether you're like in Charlotte or you're just on the outskirts and commuting to Charlotte, either way, you're going to have to be in North Carolina to be able to make it work. Um, and yeah, and it is a, it's a huge thing to think about, especially if you're like from really far. Like that was one thing that Jacqueline Drake and I talked about on the podcast because she's originally from Texas, you know, so she had to make that sacrifice she's like i had to like literally pack up my whole life in texas and just and leave and go halfway across the country like you know that's a that's like it's a huge thing to do and yeah i mean that's not something that you take lightly like like you gotta really think that through yeah it you think it through but i think for me and if there's anything i learned i was basically just with my illness, I was diverted for about a year and a half. I wasn't able to get up. If I got up, I would basically near pass out. I, I like, I was so unhealthy. And we, I finally got a diagnosis like two years, year and a half later. And I started to get better. Like, I right. feel better. I still deal with things day to day and I still get knocked out some days. But if, if anything I learned from that is I'm so tired of just sitting and waiting and hoping and dreaming of something to happen or something that I want to have happen. Like, I have a chance now to go after it and do it. And I owe it to myself. If I have right. a dream, like, damn girl, pursue it. Like, exactly. <laughs> like it's time. Yeah. Especially, too, even talking about just, I'm 23 years old. I'm, I'm young. Like, I, and there's so many, there's so much time left for me to make mistakes. Right. Risks, do things. Exactly. I'm here. I don't really drink. Like, I'm not like, not those types of risks, but like, right. career decisions. Trail. And like, and you don't have kids. So it's right? not like you have, you know, that type of responsibility where you're like, Oh, if I do this, like it, I have people depending on me, like you don't have that. So it's really just you like what you want to do. Yeah. Right. And, and it's freeing and so exciting. And it's, but then also, you know, like, you you know, have significant other and I have, you know, my family, my parents, and that's a lot of baggage and that's a lot to juggle. But I lucky in the fact that they're like, if you get an opportunity, you go, I adore you. I love you. Mm-hmm. And whatever happens, everything will work out. We'll all be good. We'll support mm-hmm. you from afar. We'll support you in Charlotte, wherever it is, whatever we all decide to do. Like you have to do you. You have to pursue your dream. It's like you work too hard to not do this for yourself. And same thing with my friends and anybody who wants to pursue a career in this sport. I have like three pieces of advice, maybe it's just two, but my whole mm-hmm. thing is just start somewhere. Because right. I will get like DMs or something like that where it's like, hey, like I'm thinking of going into journalism or doing podcasting like what, what what do you do like where do you start how do i begin i'm like well start the more you question it the longer yeah. you're prolonging oh yeah you're actually doing something because like, mm-hmm. i have to be perfect the first time like no. i just got in like a new camera and the only reason i got that was just from my school so thanks school but i, mm-hmm. I got a new camera and great equipment just last year but i started off the podcast with just recording audio on my phone or voice memos and then yeah. going into an editing software and cutting it up and that's it um, I didn't really have experience making graphics and things, but over time you learn what you need to do, what equipment you need, and then you continue to grow and build on what you're doing. So it's starting somewhere. And then the other thing too was just like continue to learn 
and then taking those risks and just knowing when you're ready to take the next step. That's a huge thing too. It's just right. being willing to grow and wanting to grow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I totally agree with you. And and also another thing too is you're never too old to start over. Like no, you're not. Okay. You're not. Because I mean, it's like, and, and I think, I think that's one thing that a lot of people kind of get stuck at. They think that if they don't have certain things by a certain timeline, by a certain age, like, like they have to be stuck where they are. Like, I mean, I'm 37 and I'm trying to pretty much start my life over. Like literally like, you know, I'm trying to make this transition from working in the corporate world to being my own boss. Like, that's not simple within itself, but also it's like, yeah, I'm almost 40. Like there, there's nothing wrong with that. Like it just means that I also have a lot of experience, you know, I have a lot of work experience and stuff and it in that helps. But yeah, no, it's like you're never too young. I mean, you have I mean, you have people that are like in their 50s and 60s that will literally like start their own businesses like all of a sudden like they're that's not too old. Like there's nothing wrong with starting later in life. You know, sometimes that's what has to happen. Sometimes you have to do that. Yeah, it goes along with that society pressure. And especially I keep going back to college, but I right. like that's where I learned so much about myself and just how the world works. And it's you know, I thought I was going to finish my degree in four years. That's mm-hmm. cool. So then I got really sick and then it pushed it to five years. And I'm yeah. like, okay, all my friends have graduated or moved on. But I also know some of my friends and some people I went to high school with that totally changed career paths. And now mm-hmm. they're longer or they're like, you know what? I want to get my master's degree. Or maybe they started families really young. And I'm right. life is not linear. It takes different dips and turns. And even too, like same thing with the DMs. I had somebody, this was either a week or two weeks ago, reach out on Instagram and was like, you know, I'm thinking I want to go into like journalism or writing, but I don't have any like journalistic training. I didn't go right. school for that. So like, what do I do? I'm like, you know, school is great for journalism, but the best way to learn is like go to like a motorsports media outlet, a small outlet who's looking for writers. And if they're willing to mentor you, learn from that. Like get yourself the AP style guide. Right. And learn that from yeah. front to back. And mm-hmm. it's what's nice about journalism and content creation necessarily. And I got, I know some people will disagree with me on the journalism side is you don't have to go to school for it necessarily. For me, it's all about, yeah, it's about getting that real world experience. I'll honest with you. I love my university and I learned so much from there, but I learned, I think more through my internships in my jobs about what you actually need in the industry, actually hands-on experience. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's never too late to try something new. Literally it's not. Um, I, I know just knowing me, I'll get to like being like 80, 70, somewhere in there. And I'm going to want to totally change careers just because, that's who I am at some point, but I I am lucky though. I feel like I finally latched on to motorsports. It's been a consistent in my life, and just it's exciting, and I'm ready and thrilled to be able to try to start finding the path of where I fit in. I'm doing like five different things right now, but I love every single thing that I'm doing. Yeah, and I mean, being versatile like that though it makes you more of a well-rounded person. And yeah, and honestly, I mean that that's what makes us such amazing human beings is that we don't have to like stick to one thing we can yeah. be you know well versed in different in different things and and you know and be happy like that's the whole yes. point is our happiness like we yes. all want true happiness and it's like if we're doing stuff that makes us happy then it, you know as long as it's not harming people 
um right <laughs> yeah like let me put that disclaimer there right you as long as you're not like physically or mentally hurting other people to be happy yeah yeah then then, then do what you want like right. yeah I, I feel we just put so much pressure on ourselves as humans and it's not it's not necessary no and even too like I have someone close to me in my life who mm-hmm. just, they don't know what they want to do with their life. And right. they're like, I, I, and they get so anxious and they're like, I just, I don't know what I'm passionate about. And I'm like, and that's okay. Like, mm-hmm. you don't have to have everything figured no. out. Like, I'll walk alongside you. We'll figure it out together. <laughs> but it's about exploring and putting yourself out there. And if you want to know, if you want to pursue something and you know what it is, but you feel stuck, you're not necessarily stuck. There's always avenues to where you can try new things. It's, a lot of it is learning what you have control over and learning what you don't have control over. But in reality, I think we all have more control over our lives than I think we think we do. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's taking, it's taking ownership of that and taking the leap. A lot of people are afraid to take the leap, you know, but you just, you have to do it. It's to make yourself happy, to find that true happiness, your purpose. And for some people, you find your purpose really fast for others. You think you find it, mm-hmm. then you don't, or you find it really late in life, but there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And it's, it's trusting the process, trusting where you're mm-hmm. at. And for me, it's like, I, if nothing's working out right now, it will eventually work out. Like I'm where I need to be. Right. That's fine. So it's everyone will, everyone finds their path eventually. Um, it's just a matter of just taking leaps of faith. Yeah. For it. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah. Taking leaps of faith, like, like we mentioned, is like, you've got to be outside of your comfort zone to be able to get to whatever purpose it is. And yeah, like where you are right now is where you're supposed to be because it's like you might have either lessons that are coming along, you know, pretty soon and then that's going to take you where you need to be or you might make the other decision and end up going a different path. You know, you just never know. Like our lives are not are not predictable. They're not supposed to be at least like I'm not supposed to make them predictable. Like we're supposed to pretty much live life and when things come at us, then we make those decisions. But other than that, live life and just enjoy it because it's like, <laughs> we, yeah, like we only have one life anyway, you know, right now, right? Like this is the timeline we're living in right now. So make the best of it. Like don't like, you know, wait. yeah, don't <laughs> wait for things. Don't be like, uh, no, I'm going to put this off until then. Until when? You don't know when when that will be or if that time will even come. Like, so why not do it now? Like, yeah, yeah I feel we don't, we tend to like self-sabotage ourselves a lot more than we should. Yes. <laughs> You're speaking my language. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And see, I used to be really bad about that. I used to self-sabotage so much. Like, I started so many different projects and never brought them to fruition like I just killed them like I mean I like I had a clothing line that literally all I had to do like I had finished the website everything all I had to do was literally just like publish it like be done and I I killed it I literally killed all of it I had put so much work into it all the designs because I created all the designs you know um I even promoted it at an anime convention because it was like all anime type inspired things and stuff and I spoke to people and literally gave them like all the information and I just I killed it 
I just like I I was just like I can't do it. Like I and I don't even know why. Like it just yeah. didn't. And yeah. Like and and then I tried another podcast, but it was totally different. It wasn't motorsports related. I got to three episodes and then I quit. And but but I'm kind of glad that I went through all that because it's like it made me realize that if I was truly passionate about it, yes. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have quit on myself. So it meant that it wasn't the right thing at the right time. And so I so I'm grateful for those lessons because it's like it made it, it made me like really take the time to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And so that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now is because I finally did something that I'm consistent with. And see, I wasn't consistent with anything before that. So I I can relate 100. <laughs> it's this is the first thing I feel like consistent with and I know I'm passionate about it mm-hmm. because if something doesn't work out with it or something doesn't go the way I want it to with either an episode that I'm filming or right. something looks funky or if the sound is off or if maybe a guest is doesn't isn't able to join the last minute I'm like okay I gotta figure this out I want to figure this out I'm mm-hmm. figure this out. or if something happens with a client very last minute and it's like midnight I'm like I'm on it I'm ready to go obviously it's setting boundaries with time right. and things like that but I am so eager and ready mm-hmm. to work through every problem that right. my way with this or throw it's thrown my way with this. I uh, and that's how you know you know you're passionate about it. Like this is where you're supposed to be. And it could change before you know this is where I'm supposed to be and I want to be, which is good. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly how I feel about it. It's like I'm always doing whatever to make this work. And it's yeah. like this is the first thing that I've ever done that with. And that was something my husband even told me. He's like he, he like he was so happy that I did the podcast because he's like this is the first thing that I've ever seen you be like 100% committed to yeah. well he, like it, it and he can even see it because it's like I'll spend so much time like doing all this stuff and you know I even hired my podcast manager and did all this stuff and she and he's like I've never seen you commit to something like this before yeah. and I'm like but I love it so much that like I don't like I don't want it to go away I want it to be around for as long as possible and so yeah like I'm actually like really putting in the work and you know fighting for your dream yeah fighting for an advance on it and not you know not just letting it sit on the way you know wayside and just not do anything with it so right yeah absolutely no, of course. I mean, and honestly, you're killing it. I mean, above above the yellow line, it's so good. And I mean, honestly, guys, if you have never watched Taylor's content, I recommend it 100%. Like, I'm telling you, like, if you are either new to NASCAR, you'll, you'll be a fan by the end of it, by the end of her videos. So, yeah, like, it, you'll automatically be into NASCAR. But if you're already a NASCAR fan, you'll probably learn some new stuff. Because, I mean, you know, like, we don't know everything. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, yeah. So, but, yeah, no, definitely. Um, so, yeah, you guys check that out. But all her links to everything uh, will be in, you know, in the description. Because, obviously, you want to keep up with her journey and see where she's at and what she's doing. Because she's always doing something. She's always in different places. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but, yeah, no, thanks, Taylor. I'm so glad you were able to call on and share your story and just hang out for 
you know, hours out, you know, I mean, and I mean, this was really fun and, and honest, and I'm glad that you were able to, you know, to talk about everything that you're doing and, you know, what, you know, your dreams and your passions. And, um, and I look forward to seeing like what else you end up doing. So thank you so much for having me. It was so fun to talk to you and just like, you know, just chat. It was so fun. So thank you. So guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Taylor. I know I did. I'm so glad she came on to share her story. So make sure you follow her on all social media platforms. Um, I will have all of that in the show notes. And also, um, rate and review the podcast if you guys um, are loving the content. Um, That helps us get noticed and helps other people find the podcast because obviously we want as many people to hear all of these women in motorsports to hear all their journeys so definitely make sure that you that you do that um if you do review it on apple um screenshot it send it to me on instagram um and i will definitely uh read it on one of the podcast episodes so let me know what you guys think about the podcast. Um, you can always reach out to me. Um, all my links are in the show notes. So, you know, I, I'm always willing to hear feedback. You know, I, I want this podcast to get better. Um, I want this podcast to be the best that it can be. And there's nothing wrong with feedback, right? So I'm, I'm good with it. So yeah, guys, definitely uh, let me know what you guys think. Um, When this comes out, I will be at Talladega for the NASCAR race. So if you guys are going to be out there, definitely let me know. Um, I will be posting all over Instagram what I have going on from there. Uh, So definitely check that out. Um, And I will be there until Monday. So... um, until next week, guys, uh, take care and go out and manifest your best life.